Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, I'm Boomer Esiason, and I am delighted to have you join us here on our all-new Game Time podcast. Now, our guest today is the architect of the greatest turnaround in college basketball history. Now, over the course of two decades of dedicated coaching, he has guided his program from the ashes of a devastating scandal all the way to a national championship. And he's recently written a book about that journey, and it's called The Road to Joy. It's certainly my pleasure to welcome Baylor University head coach Scott Drew. Coach, welcome to our Game Time podcast. Great to have you. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I've always been a big fan of yours. Now, recently you were right here in New York City along with West Virginia coach Bob Huggins and new Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark, who is a friend of mine, to help brand the conference, which is about to lose Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, and gain BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. So what really is the brand of the Big 12, uh, Scott, and how do you see this whole thing playing out? Well, first of all, uh, I'm glad you're friends with Brett. I think he's uh, going to do a great job. I've really enjoyed uh, spending time with him. Love his vision. I expect to see you at the uh, uh, Big 12 championships because they're going to be the best championships out there. Uh, as far as it's been the best basketball conference uh, six of the last nine years, and analytically it'll be still the best conference according to Ken Palm Analytics when we bring in these teams. So uh, the Big 12's future is bright and love Brett at the helm. All right. So do you take it personally? I always wonder with you coaches, you take it personally when one of your players decides to use the transfer portal. And do you yeah. think the transfer portal rules need a little bit of tweaking? It, it, good question. Um, first thing is uh, uh, anytime someone leaves your program, uh, normally uh, you feel like you let them down because you want everyone to come, have a great experience, reach their full potential and uh, graduate from your your school. 
But there's some situations where it is better for them to leave. Maybe they've already graduated. They want to play a little more. Maybe they want to get back uh, uh, closer to home. So uh, I do know uh, uh, coaches out there, we as a group, uh, the one-time transfer policy, um, we're good with. Um, we like it to be one-time, though, because it, when it's two and three, we don't think student-athletes graduate. And at the end of the day, they're not all playing pro like you know. Yeah. You know, Brittany Griner's arrest in Russia is an international mm-hmm. outrage. It's certainly an outrage here in our country. So how has it affected the Baylor community where she once led the Lady Bears to a 2012 NCAA yeah. championship? Well, I remember Brittany when she got here as a freshman and uh, um, uh, had a great career here at Baylor. Everyone that spent time with her, uh, she's family. And uh, just like uh, any of us can relate, when anytime someone in your family's hurting, you're hurting. So uh, we're praying for her. We're hoping to get her back as soon as possible. Um, and uh, uh, again, appreciate everyone's prayers for her. You know, we'll get into Baylor's 2021 national title shortly, but one thing that stood out is your ability to win despite being forced into the COVID bubble. In fact, while most teams and coaches groused about the bubble, you seem to regard it as sort of a blessing. Why was that? You know, back in your summer camp days, you're you're in a hotel with a bunch of guys you love, and you get to uh, have a team room where you got a uh, uh, a basketball goal. You got Uno, Connect Four. Uh, you got video games. So it was like being at camp. We didn't want to leave the bubble. We love hanging out with each other. Um, so uh, uh, again, life is short. Make the most of each and every opportunity. And that's one thing I know me personally, uh, when I see that group in the next 20, 25 years, when they get honored, uh, I'm going to remember those times with them. By the way, I, I was pretty good in that Connect Four stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sure you were, Scott. You know, going back to um, to Brett Yormark for a second. So I got to know him when they opened the Barclays Center up here where yeah. the Nets play now. And that was a big deal here in New York City. That was really hard to get going. Yeah. And uh, all I remember is just how hard he worked to promote that building, to get people to come to that building. And that building is now one of the finest buildings in the entire yeah. country. Yeah, love his passion, love his energy, love his vision. Um, I can see why you get along with him. Uh, you got a lot of the same. I appreciate that. All right, folks, we're talking with Scott Drew here on the Game Time Podcast. And Scott, the last time most fans saw you was this past March. Your defending national champions trailed North Carolina by 25 in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And then your top-seeded Bears rallied furiously in the final six minutes, only to fall in overtime. What lessons did you and the team take from that experience? Well, first of all, never give up. And as you know, in sports, uh, it's a game of momentum. Things change quick. Uh, I thought last year our team really persevered. We were 15-0. and 0. You're, you're defending national champs. You're trying to repeat. And then we have our leading scorer go out, uh, LJ Cryer, with a, a season-ending injury. And then we have uh, the co-defensive player of the year, Jonathan Chamwachachua, go out with a season-ending injury. And uh, we had already lost Langston Love to a season-ending injury. So uh, we persevered. We're able to win a conference championship, get a number one seed. You get down big, but I think we just showed the heart of the the team, how you never give up. You always have a chance. And it was the NCAA's uh, biggest comeback uh, in NCAA tournament history. Unfortunately, yeah, I didn't get the win in OT. 
Yeah, I know, and it was furious, and that's what's great about college basketball. You just never know how it's going to go. You know, I, I played football at the University of Maryland back in the ACC in the early 80s, and that used to be known as a basketball conference because of all yeah. the great schools, Duke and North mm-hmm. Carolina, Maryland, of course, Virginia. And now all of a sudden, like, the Big 12 is becoming <laughs> the basketball conference. What's going on down there? Well, I don't know if you want to hear all these stats being an ACC guy, but you know the last two champions, uh, us in Kansas, and then we're the only conference to have three different teams in the national championship game. Um, so that's that's a first. The last six out of nine years, we've had the highest-ranked uh, uh, RPI or net rating, so we've been the top-ranked conference, and it's really because of the depth of the league. Since 2002, 60% of the league has been in the Final Four, and that's more than any other league. Yeah, which is amazing. By the way, Maryland is now in the Big Ten, which is a whole other set of circumstances for us, but <laughs> not, that's for another time. So how different is your squad this year from last year? Well, we have a, a nice blend. We have some returning players, um, and we have some that won a national championship uh, uh, or were part of the national championship team. We have some transfers uh, that we played against or recruited, and then we have some freshmen. So we have a nice blend. I think we really shoot it well. Uh, most people predict us high, and you and I know that's a nice compliment, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean anything. So tell me how good Keontae George can be, a five-star recruit. Now, you've seen him up close and personal, and uh, what, what are your expectations for him? Hey, he shoots the three like you throw the deep ball, so it's money, <laughs> all right? Uh, but but anyway, he can score in bunches. He can score in all three levels. Uh, somebody that's really working on his uh, defensive part of things is most freshmen. That's the, that's an adjustment. Um, but he's really coachable. He, he wants to uh, – um, Please his teammates, which means he sacrifices for the team. So we're really excited uh, uh, to have him and see what he does this year. All right, Coach. Other claims to fame, such as the Dr. Pepper Museum, Waco, Texas, is also home of Chip and Joanna Gaines, the fixer-upper fame. You know know who they are. So what is your relationship with them? I love that show, by the way. Well, if you love it, you need to come down to a game. You're going to sit with them at the game. They are great fans. Chip really gets into it. And Joe actually grew up uh, uh, going to college basketball games. So they'll travel with us. Great people down to earth. Um, But Waco's a happening place. So come on down, watch a game, and you can hang out with Chip and Joe. Yeah, I would love to do that. And I hear that you do a great impersonation of Dick Vitale. Can Can you give me a little example of that? You're awesome, baby! A PT Peer! Nothing but the best! Dickie V! Oh, it's great. I, I love it when you college coaches kind of get out of your comfort zone, but you know what? <laughs> that was perfect, and I appreciate that. And more with Coach Scott Drew from Baylor right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
Welcome back to Game Time, everyone. Basketball has always been the stability in our lives, says Scott Drew's mother, Janet. Her husband, Homer, and her other son, Bryce, now head coach at Grand Canyon, put Valparaiso on the college hoops map. Meantime, Scott's sister, Dana, is enshrined in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. Now, I know you grew up, you and your friends played a lot of baseball and football and, of course, basketball. And then after dinner, you would do it all over again. I mean, so your family was pretty much a rambunctious athletic bunch. Yeah, that was before video games and uh, uh, 85 different sports stations and every game being on TV. So it was either uh, uh, you play sports, you'd be bored. And I, I was a better uh, athlete than a reader. So I'd much rather be out and do something. <laughs> so, so why did you decide to focus in on tennis? Yeah, <laughs> actually, I was really small for my size at the time. And uh, that was one sport where height didn't matter. I was I grew late. Um, and so that was that was my best chance to, to try to make it professional. As you know, growing up in an athletic family, the goal is always to get to the highest level. At the same time, uh, I always played basketball and always uh, um, work camps, coach my brother and sister's teams. And uh, one thing God always gives us different talents and abilities, and he always has a different plan for all of us. And one thing I really loved doing was the coaching part of uh, uh, forming a team, recruiting a team. So I did that with my brother and sister's summer teams, and I really fell in love with that and helping people reach their goals and dreams. So your dad was an assistant to the legendary Dale Brown at Washington State and then at LSU. Now, do you remember ever taking any recruiting trips with him? I, I do remember, uh, first of all, I grew up with crawfish in the bottle at a, from two to six years old in Baton Rouge, so I, I love uh, Cajun food. But my first recruiting uh, recollection was uh, my dad was getting pulled over by uh, a police officer, and I thought the sirens were so cool. So, uh, <laughs> But back in the day, you traveled a lot. He was gone, I think, 158 nights or something his last year at LSU. Uh, and then, then he went to a small Christian school, Bethel College, and kind of uh, uh, did that so that he could spend time being a father and a husband because back then the NCAA didn't have rules. You could be gone and out all the time. And mm -hmm. we grew up in the gym. We had a great uh, uh, backyard and playground there. You know, as with the turnaround you achieved there at Baylor, you know, things like that take time. And your dad suffered through five losing seasons at Balpo yeah. back in the day. Were they more stressful on you or on him? Well, I, I can tell you as, as a son, um, you always you hurt when you hurt, but you hurt more when your loved ones like your mom or dad hurt. So going to games and uh, hearing the fans get mad at my dad, that, that probably bothered me a lot more than him. Uh, but I, I can tell you one thing, once we turn that thing around, um, because it takes a wee to turn anything around. And my brother was Mr. Basketball in Indiana, and uh, he went there. And, and the year before, we, we won 20. And then uh, uh, you win six of eight championships in a row, go to the Sweet 16, and the rest is history. Dad gets in the Hall of Fame, has the court named after him. Yeah, it's a great story. You know, the interesting thing is you go to another, you go to school at Butler, which is a, you know, obviously a basketball lineage and it's got yeah. a great reputation for basketball. But what do you do? You don't play basketball. You play tennis at, <laughs> at Butler. But you become, I think you were like a kind of a student manager for the basketball team. Is that yeah. where you really decided that this was going to be your way in life? Yeah, when I, when I was a student assistant, uh, uh, again, God always has a perfect plan. And I was able to learn from Thad Mata, who was a great coach there, Jay John. And uh, Jay John coached at Oregon State. Um, Thad was the head coach at Ohio State, uh, uh, Xavier. Um, now he's back at Butler. Um, and then Barry Collier, who, who started it all. So I was able to learn from them and then come back and work for my dad, 
but have a different perspective and be able to help in some different areas um, because at that time, Butler's program was ahead of Valpo's. Now, Scott, as you know all too well, we can't mention Valpo and the Drew family without harking back to your brother Bryce's iconic buzzer beater against Ole Miss in the opening round of the 1998 tournament. Now, you were on the sideline as your dad's assistant coach. So what was going through your mind as the players tried to pull off a desperation play called Pacer? Well, it, it, dad always knows best. We used to practice pacer all the time. And I like that. Why are we always practice this? We never use it, you know? <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, 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 the SEC player of the year goes to the free throw line, misses both free throws. If he hits both of them, game's over. Um, but he, he left the door cracked. And then uh, Jamie Sykes, who played pro baseball, uh, Bill Jenkins, who was a great volleyball player and a great athlete, he made the catch. Jamie made the throw. Bryce made the shot. Pandemonium broke out from there. Brother gets to 16th pick in the NBA draft, plays six years in the NBA. Uh, Valpo becomes a household name. And uh, it was a great moment to be able to share it with my brother and dad. So tell me, why did Bryce dive onto the floor? Was that all about self-preservation after he made the shot? Absolutely, because you had two six-six twins that, that bench pressed about three twenty coming in at him hard, two seven footers, and that, to show you the intelligence of the coaching staff, we got on top of all of that. So anyway, <laughs> Bryce was smart to hit the floor. You know, it was amazing. That was in the first round, but Valpo then beat number 12 yeah. Florida State in the second round and reached the Sweet 16 for the yeah. first and only time in school history. So I'm thinking, what's the team's mindset and the family's mindset about that magical run when you think back to it? Well, what, what, again, one of the best moments uh, um, of my life and to be able to share it with uh, uh, my dad and brother right there on the court and the family was amazing. And then the irony is we had Jim Herrick Jr. was an assistant coach on our team. We play Rhode Island in the Sweet 16, and he's the head coach of Rhode Island. So uh, that that was back in the day where you remember in the hotels, no one had cell phones and you had the, the old rotary phones. We had to unplug the phones because all the media kept calling our guys at all hours of the night because you're the Cinderella story, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that was back in the day, headaches you had to deal with. Yeah, that's why that's why the college basketball tournament is so great. I mean, it is yeah. just so great because of stories like this. So you know, I'm thinking about your coaching philosophy. You coach with your dad, and you had to coach your brother, who I'm sure didn't listen to you. There's no way yeah. that Bryce was listening. <laughs> I mean, so what did you take from those experiences to now develop into the coach that you are today? Well, it, really blessed from the standpoint, uh, uh, not many people have a Hall of Fame uh, uh, coach as your dad and mentor. Um, I a lot of things that we do, obviously, he did in his program. I think the biggest thing is just how he treats his uh, uh, players. Um, I remember I'd always be like, yeah, we got to call this recruit. And he's like, no, I got to help so-and-so with the job interview. And I mean, just how he treated everybody like family is something that we've always tried to do. All right, we'll be right back to talk about what it's like for Scott Drew to be back home again in Indiana to cut down the national championship net. What a night. Welcome back, everyone. When Baylor University President Robert Sloan and his coaching search committee opened the door to a business conference room at Chicago's Midway Airport, they were surprised to see prep rally-style decorations, green and gold, cray paper, streamers, and balloons. 
They were also mocked newspaper headlines extolling how Scott Drew had reversed Baylor's fortunes from a scandal-tainted past to a Final Four future. And the idea that you came up with, the creative inspiration to do all of this, where did that come from? <laughs> well, life is short. You got to have fun. And I, I, I like the, the starting lineups. I like all the hoopla that goes into sports. And one thing is, who doesn't like uh, you come home for your birthday and you got the house decorated? Same thing in recruiting. Uh, uh, there were no uh, recruiting violations or rules of things we couldn't do when it came to interviewing for a job. So um, I thought the committee needed to, to, to make sure they enjoyed their time uh, with us. And at the same time, uh, anytime you got to, the CEO of Dr. Pepper making the hire, you got to have Dr. Pepper in the room, too. 100 percent. All right. You know, in your book, The Road uh, to Joy, you talk about how bad the situation was at Baylor. Now, one player, Patrick Dennehy, was murdered by his teammate, Carlton Dotson. And then coach Dave Bliss was involved in a cover up scheme. What prompted you to go to the heavily penalized program that other young coaches thought was so toxic? Well, I, I always grew up in a, a Christian family, and anytime uh, God says go, you go, and I'd prayed about it, and I felt led to come to Baylor. Loved the vision and uh, uh, the mission of the school and the leadership, and I thought there was uh, um, there was a. Uh, uh, we did the same thing at Valpo. We made it a, a powerhouse. And yet, if you go to the Big 12, you can win the Big 12. You win a national championship. And that was always my goal was to try to uh, compete for national championships and final fours. And uh, God says, go, you go. You know, Scott, just talking to you, I can understand why Baylor would want you to go and, and, and to go there. And I'm just trying to think how you planned out to regain the trust of the program, the school, mm -hmm. and how you were able to attract players to come there to play at such a high level. Well, it, one thing about our staff is we didn't get much sleep for the first couple of years. So yeah. um, it, 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 it didn't come easy and it didn't come quick. But the administration school stuck with us and the players that came in, even though they didn't have as much success on the court, really laid the foundation for the championships and what the program's been able to achieve since then. You know, I always I ask a lot of coaches this. Your vision for the type of player that you want to coach is what? So uh, it, it adjusts throughout the year, and what I years, and what I mean is the game changes. Just like football, look how look how the NFL's changed, and college football's changed. Um, but with us, you, you have to have the skill set, and and I like offensive players. I think it's easier to coach defense, and uh, but it's harder to teach someone how to score. And then with that, uh, they have to have the character, and they have to be able to represent the school um, the way the school wants to be represented. We we call it preparing champions for life: spiritual, academic. Um, uh, character formation and and athletic. You know what a road it was, and I'm just wondering what you were thinking about as the ball was tipped for the national championship contest against previously unbeaten Gonzaga. What was that like for you in that moment? Well, you you, you, <laughs> you want to know just how how uh, uh, God works. We we're supposed to play that exact game in the exact uh, uh, Indianapolis on December 5th, and just before the game. It gets canceled because Gonzaga has somebody test positive for COVID. We're one and two in the nation. We're all set to play. And so at that point, Coach Few and I agreed, you know what? If we can come back here and do this a few months later, let's do that. <laughs> so um, it, it was just uh, amazing how that that worked out. And then, as you know, you're locked in when it comes game time. So ball's tipped, and it's it's another game. So you and Coach Few pretty close? Yeah, I love Coach Few. He likes to fish. He likes to play pickleball. I I, I like the same things. Um, love how he runs his program. Uh, they've been uh, uh, 
excellent for a long period of time. Both of us are the only two schools to be ranked number one in the last three years. Um, both of us, the only two schools to have top 10 draft picks in the last two years. So a lot of similarities in our programs and great respect for him, a, a future Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I would think that both of you guys go head to head in recruiting. I would imagine you're going after the same type of kids. Yeah, we, we, we do. And, and at the end of the day, uh, that's what's great about basketball. There's enough good players to go around. And, uh, if, if they go to schools that, that, uh, have great coaches and, uh, um, programs like Gonzaga, that's great. Um, God's going to give us who we need to be successful here. Scott, I have to tell you, just talking to you and getting to know you today, I can understand why you are successful. So I have a little game we like to play here on Game Time, and it's called Grin and Barrett. Are you ready to play it? Let's go. All right. In 1958, a beloved cartoon character was given a name that seems suspiciously similar to that of Hall of Fame Yankees catcher. Can you name him? Catfish? Nope. How about Yogi? Yogi Bear. Oh, Yogi, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> what legendary Southern football coach is known as the Bear? Bear Bryant. That's right. What football team was originally called the Decatur Staley's? The Decatur Staley's. Bears. That's right. Chicago Bears. All right. There we go. Uh, See? There you go. Okay. <laughs> now, I really hate to bring this up. In the 2017 NCAA tournament, 12-seeded Yale upset number five, Baylor in Providence. Sorry about that. Rhode Island, and ironically, home to another Ivy League school whose athletes who are also re referred to as Bears. What is the name of that university? Wow. I Ivy League school also referred to as the Bears. Brown. Yes, very good. You have somebody in the background giving you the answers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it was either Brown or Columbia. And I went right. with Brown because Columbia is blue colors, so I didn't think they'd be bears. All right, final question. Besides yourself, only one other Texas-based university has ever won the NCAA Men's Basketball National Championship, and its coach was nicknamed the Bear. Who was he, and what school did he lead to the 1966 NCAA title? It was Texas Western, and I can't believe right now I'm drawing a blank. That's terrible. If I said Don? Haskins. Yes, there you go. Yeah. You had the name. Yeah. That's right. Did pretty good, actually. Yeah, I should have. I should have. The first one I should have definitely gotten, though. Yogi Bear. Yes, you should have gotten that one. Final question for me. You've been called the most optimistic coach in college hoops, and I can see why. Do you believe optimism can be taught and learned? Absolutely. Uh, life is short. You want to uh, uh, make the most of it, enjoy every day. We try to play with the culture of joy, and uh, hopefully that comes out in what we do. That's a big reason why we recruit who we recruit. We spend so much time with these guys. Um, you want to, just like you, you want to go to the office. You want to spend time with people that make you better and that you enjoy being with. Well, I certainly enjoyed this interview, and I enjoyed being with you today, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. And to all of you out there for watching, I'm Boomer Esiason. I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time with rising young NASCAR star William Byron. Scott, that was great, man. Hey, you did a great job. I, man, I tell you, those questions were good. I wish I, I, I'd have been a little more on point with Don Haskins. I'm going to get in trouble if that <laughs> No, you know what? I, I, I knew that you knew the name. I, as soon as yeah. I said Don, I knew that you were yeah, going to yeah, get yeah, the yeah. last So thank you, you for that. thank you for that hit. <laughs>